Welcome to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. Hi, I'm Danielle Brown, staff writer for McKnight's Long-Term Care News. We're here today with Allison Silvers, who is the Chief Healthcare Transformation Officer at the Center for Advanced Palliative Care. Today, we'll be discussing the underutilization of palliative care in skilled nursing and assisted living facilities, how providers can better incorporate those services, and the congressional support calling for more palliative care services in LTC. Thank you for joining me, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So we'll just jump right into the questions. You recently had a guest column on palliative care and its underutilization in skilled nursing and assisted living. Why do you think that is? I actually think there is several reasons for it. First, I do think that confusion persists about what palliative care is. It's specialized added layer of support for patients and families as they face the symptoms and stresses of a serious illness. And actually, those symptoms and stresses include loss of function, pain, complicated decision making, all the things that patients and residents in long-term care face. I think, unfortunately, that there are ideas out there that you have to have a short prognosis in order to get it or that you have to give something up in order to get it, but none of that is true. So some of it is perception. But the other thing that I'll call out is that um, there's nothing in the regulations that specifically require palliative care. You know, in skilled nursing, many state regulations require podiatry, um, a set hour of um, therapy, et cetera. And um, the the explicit call for palliative care just isn't there. Now, I will say that definitely in the Medicare quality measures and also in most state quality measures, um, palliative care is a perfect tool to meet your quality measures, but that's indirect. And people have to understand that they can use palliative care to meet those measures. So I think those are the two biggest problems. Awesome. Thank you so much. So how can SNFs incorporate more palliative care services into their offerings? So when I think of what you just said, I think of the basic principles of quality management and quality improvement, which is that you sort of just bake it into business as usual. Um, And I think there's actually a lot of really easy changes that facilities can make. And I actually included a few of them in my column. Um, Things like building a trigger into the EMR. So you can flag patients that you would think would benefit from palliative care. And it can be built from anything that the clinical team feels is useful. Um, You can use the LACE tool, which predicts hospital readmissions. Most of those people need palliative care. You can pick up on a note about pain or disruptive behaviors. Cachexia might be a good indicator. Um, And even if you're going to capture family conflicts in the EMR, you can use that. After that, the other catch is making getting a consult as easy as possible. So I mentioned in the column, there's an organization that uses blanket orders. Patients flagged the blanket order, you press and it's done. And they actually then communicate via a one page fax request. Other facilities I know use palliative care consult requests. That's just like a check box. This, 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 we want you to do this. And, and it's done and it doesn't take time from the nursing staff. I will make one other point about what else facilities can do because so far I've talked a lot about how they can get 
palliative care specialist to their patients and residents. There's a lot that the existing staff, the existing clinical staff can do to assess for areas of distress, assess for pain, to explain and talk about what's going on with the illness. And the nurses can be pretty easily trained in those kinds of things, even for people with severe dementia. And then there's a whole role for prescribers to learn how to treat and minimize suffering, which is all definitely teachable. Yeah. So that kind of goes right along to our next question about the benefits, you know, the benefits both residents and providers can gain from expanding those types of services. Yeah. So, well, for the residents, I I think it's pretty apparent. Palliative care is just what it says. It palliates, it reduces suffering. And by now, there are many studies that show the benefits. Um, in fact, there was a recent meta-analysis where they concluded based on all the studies that palliative care reduces symptom burden by 66%. And what was really cool about that is those improvements lasted for months um, after the initial consultation. I think one consultation on average, uh, you can get benefit from for three or four months. So that's definitely a benefit for the patients and residents. And you didn't ask, but I'll add, there's also benefits for the family members. As you know, when you have a family member who's in a facility who's facing uncertainty and in a place where sometimes they don't always want to be, um, it's very stressful on the families to try to figure out what to do next, to understand what's really going on, to know if they're going to make the right decisions or not. So with palliative care, the professionals can basically give a lot of information and support decision-making in a way that reduces anxiety. And that meta-analysis that I talked about, same thing, significant lasting impacts on family anxiety, um, as well as wasn't in the analysis, but you've seen it over and over again. Anger and frustration also goes way down, which actually is a benefit to the providers, right? So the facilities definitely would benefit from less anger and frustration from family members. But there's a lot more benefits to the providers. Um, One thing I'll call out is hospital readmissions. Um, Those are reduced so star ratings go up and uh, hospitals find the facilities that use palliative care are often more attractive partners for them. There have been studies which showed a 43% reduction in hospital transfers for SNF patients that had palliative care consults. So significantly sized improvement. Um, I'll also say that providers benefit from just simple things, improvement in documentation. So the palliative care notes are often used to strengthen the other clinicians who are billing in the facility, their own coding and and um, billing is improved by that. I've also heard facilities say they like having the palliative care documentation on hand because it provides a protective element um, for state 
inspections that if there's a patient or resident who's failing, there's always a great explanation of what's going on. And it shows a compassionate and an effective response to the situation instead of just letting the I mean, not that anybody just lets somebody suffer, but it's it's a much more proactive approach that the state inspectors can recognize. Um, so those are just I don't know. I I am a palliative care salesman, and I can go on and on, but those are just some of the benefits. Those sound like great benefits. Um, so there's been a recent push by lawmakers for more support for palliative care services and long term care. How successful do you think that effort will be? What do you think will come from the recent request? So um, I'm, I don't know. I'm less optimistic than I might have been a little while ago, Um, but it's so hard to read the tea leaves. So, well, on politics in America in general, um, but uh, on on this for sure. Um, The... Uh, I've heard that a good contingent of lawmakers and regulators are pushing more for whole population models and payments. And because this is specific to, you know, between five and 12 percent of people have serious illness, it's a specialized model that I think. Um, ju- ju- not not anything against palliative care, but just because it's a specialized model, it doesn't have as much support. Um, however, um, I think lawmakers really are starting to recognize all the benefits that palliative care can deliver. And it's not just in long-term care, by the way. Um, hospitals, um, that's been the most studied, um, but also in the home in clinics and offices, telepalliative care, they've all been shown to have tremendous benefits for patients, families, and providers. So that's pushing something to happen to provide support. Um, I'll add just really quickly that I don't want people to forget about Medicare Advantage, that even though lawmakers may or may not do something in the traditional Medicare program, and also there's movement in Medicaid in some states as well. But don't forget about Medicare Advantage and Medicare special needs plans, right? Half the Medicare beneficiaries are now in the MA plan, and there is growing support for palliative care in those private um, payers. I think um, I did mention the role of ISNPs in the column that I wrote, um, and I'm particularly hopeful that ISNPs can play a much stronger role because the business case for them is certainly there, and so many of their members need palliative care. Yeah, it's definitely hard to tell where lawmakers might go You know, as the days go on. But are there things industry stakeholders can do to help um, more with this cause? And if yes, how so? Yeah, no, I think absolutely. Frankly, the fact that you're even McKnight's is even putting attention to the fact that the lawmakers are putting forward ideas and calling for it is a great opening. Um, And I think if the industry could support that, that that would only help. Um, I'll also think, you know, there's other apps possibly. 
If not a payment model, what about training grants for long-term care clinicians um, to gain some skills in communication and symptom management, things like that? I think doing some sort of pilot for telepalliative care services into long-term care facilities is another ask that I think the industry might be able to get through. It's a little more hot and sexy these days. Um, So I'm a little more bullish on that. But, you know, even without political action, I I would ask if the long-term care industry can can do the things it can do now. Um, The low-hanging fruit right now is find the palliative care specialists in your area. Um, Your referring hospitals likely have palliative care teams. So talk to them about what can be done to provide some services to your residents. Um, Figure out the easiest way to communicate to make it easy on both sides. Um, uh, That is definitely growing. Um, And as I said, if if you have an iSNP arrangement, talk to your iSNP partner about palliative care programming. Um, That's an easy dot to connect. and, And I think that might get you somewhere. Awesome. Awesome. I do have one final question for you, Allison. Okay. Do you believe long-term care providers will embrace more palliative care services in the near future? I actually do. Um, And it's not just a belief. We have it in the data. When we counted palliative care programs in the community in 2018, we counted 250 long-term care facilities that were offering formal palliative care programs. Um, Maybe in the scheme of how many there are in the U.S. is not that much, but 250 is also quite a lot from what was nothing even 10, 15 years ago. Um, And more recently, when we surveyed palliative care teams in hospitals, um, 8% reported that they extended their services to new long-term care facilities. So again, not the most largest number, but very promising. Um, We also hear time and time again from national bodies like Leading Age or the Pioneer Network, how supportive they are. So all those things really, really bode well. One other thing I'll mention, um, fun fact in in why I believe things will happen, um, there is interest among long-term care clinicians in getting trained in the skills that are needed. Again, communication and pain and symptom management. Um, Right now, the Center to Advance Palliative Care has about 100 facilities that are using our training resources. And there's others that are out there. Um, there's something called LNAC, um, which trains nurses. There's a lot of options and they are being used. So that's also an incredibly hopeful sign. And last, I'll just say, because the need is so great and palliative care is so effective, I just have to believe that people will be able to recognize that and recognize that there is relief available and figure out how to make the partnerships work and work well. Awesome. It's always good to have hope, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Allison. It was great having you on here. Um, Is there anything else you'd like to add or any closing remarks? If you'll indulge me, um, the Center to Advance Palliative Care exists to educate people, professionals about palliative care and what they can do. Um, And we have so many free resources. So please just take a look, capc.org, C-A-P-C.org. 
Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Long-Term Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in long-term care news, visit McKnight's.com.